Hello everyone, welcome to the Joker Dolphin Gaming Pod. I'm Mark and as always enjoyed by Nathan. Hello. But not Matthew. No. So it's Ollie Bob's again. He is, he's sunning himself in Mauritius. Again? He's, he's never here nowadays. He's well, always it, yeah. over there. Missing out on all the fun. That's it. Having all the subways and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was an astonishing look at some ways, wasn't it? I know. Must be the best subway in the world. But we'll ask him when he gets back to see if it was the best subway in the world. I hope he actually adds something. It was just a flex, just, just showing it in the background. But look, I've been to <laughs> yeah, the best subway it. in the world. You it's are. that way you go to Dubai and get a picture with the Burj Khalifa. <laughs> yeah. When you go to Mauritius, you get a picture with the best subway in the world. So, yeah. Lovely lit up in green, I have to say. Mm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, shall we move on to the news then? Yep, let's do it. Okay, so should we kick off with uh, something that was rumoured anyway, but it was actually confirmed mm-hmm. uh, last in the middle of last week, is that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has officially been delayed until next year. So they put out a statement on Twitter, uh, Rocksteady, saying this. We have made the tough but necessary decision to take the time needed to work on getting the game to be the best quality experience for players. Thank you to our amazing community for the continued support, patience and understanding. There is much more to share in the months ahead and we look forward to see you in Metropolis next year. And it will now launch on, well it was initially supposed to launch on 26th of May this year. It will now launch on the 2nd of February 2024. Wow, so good eight months or so. Yeah. Yeah. That's a significant delay, isn't it? I yeah, mean, definitely. What do you think that means exactly? Do you think it's anything to do with the backlash of the state of play? Or do you think? It could have been. They might be looking to rework things because, well, obviously there was a big backlash on that. So they might be taking it back a few steps. I mean, Which would be, be great great for the fans, I think. I'd be shocked if they managed to do a complete overall, though. I don't... I sh- I think they just be pulling. I, I don't know to be honest. I know they always use these things as best saying, you know, it's just do it for a bit more polish. Just a yeah. bit more polish. They always like to use that word polish, but I don't know. They can't do that much in terms of overall gameplay at that time, though. Sure. I need. I know it needs it based on what yeah. we're seeing, but yeah. I don't see it happening. No. I'd, I'd welcome it. But yeah. I'll, well, yeah. we'll have to see, won't we? But I don't know whether it's going to be a mistake. Because February is always stacked, and I just think it yeah. might get lost in the crowd if Sorry, I just get delayed it's again, not that good. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many times have it been delayed now? Yeah, yeah, this has been delayed before. Five? Well, I'm not sure it's that many. Probably, this might be a second. It's second series. I don't, I, I don't know, anyway. Who cares? <laughs> it doesn't look very good anyway, so <laughs> we'll see what happens with goes on that. Yeah. Well, there's uh, other news. We've we've seen a few acquisitions, haven't we? We have. So what have we seen? Uh, so firstly, uh, we've seen that Sony's acquired Firewatch Studios. Mm. So this is quite an interesting one. Because um, it's the 20th member in the PlayStation Studios family, in air quotes. Um, so this is a Washington-based studio. And they've not really made any games from the ground up, but they have been heavily involved in making multiplayer games like Card and Destiny. And with the acquisition of Activision and Xbox, there's been all this talk about what's Sony and PlayStation going to do if they lose COD, for example. So I think this might be a step to try and mitigate that in them creating better multiplayer experiences for their first-party IPs. Hmm. I was reading the PlayStation blog and uh, Herman Holst, the head of PlayStation Studios, 
Well, I won't read the whole thing, but there's this bit stuck out. It said, we're excited for Firewalk to bring their technical and creative expertise to PlayStation Studios to help grow our live service operations. Oh, that deli- never sounds good. And deliver something truly special for gamers. Yeah. I mean, do you remember a while ago there were reports that PlayStation said they were increasing their live service output? Yeah. Didn't say they were going to have, like, was it like 12 live service games yeah, by 2025 or something? Yeah, mm, it doesn't excite me, but if they're doing it to, as you say, mitigate Xboxes acquisitions or anything like that, then maybe it's a smart move. But it's not; it doesn't excite me. If if that's the sort of thing they're going to be doing, but yeah, yeah, if it's necessary for them, it's necessary. I mean, it's it's different from a lot of the other acquisitions we've seen because with those you've got a track record of games that they've worked on, so you know what kind of style that you'd probably be looking at for him yeah. to build on. But with this one, it's a bit of an unknown quantity. So Yeah, to us it's just it's like a shot in the dark, but I'm sure they know <laughs> they, I think I'm sure they know what the company does. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But if they could do things if they could have like multiplayer Ghost of Tsushima, awesome. Mm, well <laughs> I mean that's an absolute shot in the dark. But Well there is the multiplayer yeah. Ghost of Tsushima thing, isn't there? No, what's it called? I forgot what it's called now. Actually that's something we could have done. If Matt had got it. I think you could have up to three players. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called now. Legend. That's it. Legends. Legends. Something. Legends. I know. Yeah. That'd, that'd be good. To be honest, I think you were actually looking at getting the director's cut a couple of weeks ago when I was speaking to him. So, mm. yeah, could be closer than you think. That'd be a good one to do. Because mm. ever since I moved from PlayStation to, well, from PS4 to PS5, I've not gone back to it. Right. So I need to get it installed. Because... I, I really did enjoy it. So did you never play the uh, the expansion? The no, I, I didn't do the... the what was it? Ishii Island? Yeah, yeah so. Ishii Island, yeah. It's good. Oh, really good. Uh, but that wasn't the only acquisition that nope. happened. So Sega... I can't say Sega without doing that. Uh, they <laughs> acquired a Rearview. So uh, best known for the Angry Birds gang. And the sale is around $776 million. Which... Wow. Which is uh, not as high as I thought it was going to be. No, to say they were some <laughs> Angry Birds, and that's an absolutely massive game. I think there were reports beforehand that it was going to be around like the one billion mark, and then yeah. suddenly, when it actually happened, it was seven hundred seventy-six. It's like, oh, okay, seems like a cheap deal to me. Yeah, yeah. Based off the popularity of Angry Birds, but I don't know. So from that, do we think that they're just going to bring all these Sega IPs to mobile then, or help facilitate that even more than it already has been? Most probably. Yeah. yeah. Again, Angry does, Sonic, does the crossover. <laughs> yeah, I'd play that. Actually, no, no, I won't play any mobile games. So. Not, yeah. not my thing. I don't mind mobile games. Some of them, like Pokemon Go, Able Pool. Yeah, they're okay. Mm, I've got enough to play on consoles. The backlog ever growing. That's yeah. true. That's true. Can't be doing mobile games as well. Well, there's been a, another acquisition, which is fairly a, a very interesting one. Well, that does it. Is, uh, I do find intriguing. Is that? Atari, well, I'll just read it. So this is from Globe Newswire. It says, Atari announced today the acquisition of more than 100 PC and console titles from the 1980s and 1990s. The collection includes notable games from the Bubsy, Hardball, uh, Demolition Racer series, as well as the 1942 Pacific Air War, F-117A and F-14 Air Combat series. And Atari will seek to expand digital and physical distribution of the classic titles, create new games based on the IP, 
and explore brand and merchandising collaborations. Because, of course, you've got to sell the sweatshirts and stuff, haven't you? Oh, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, the It says, this is a deep catalogue that includes groundbreaking and award-winning titles from Accolade, Infogrames, and Microprose, said Atari CEO Wayne Rosen. Many of these titles are part of Atari history, and fans can look forward to seeing many of these games re-released in physical and digital formats, and in some cases, even ported to, motor, uh, to modern consoles. Atari also acquired the trademark to the Accolade and GTI brands. Accolade was a well-respected US-based video game de- developer and publisher from 1984 until 2000. Hmm. So what do you expect from this, then? All well, new catalog? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, the one that stood out to me was Bubsy. Because I love Bubsy 3D on the original PlayStation. Well, when I was reading about this, there was a lot of well, a lot of slaughter was heading towards Bubsy. A lot of people didn't like really? it. Really? Yeah. Oh, heathens! I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It's like, oh, he was one of the worst mascots in gaming. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that might be a question that we can do at some point. The worst mascot in gaming, but it's not Bubsy. So, do you, do you recognise any of those companies? Because a few of those stood out to me: Accolade, Infogrames, and Microprose. Um, I've heard of Accolade, um, but not too many of the others, to be honest. Yeah, Micropro stood out to me because me and my brother, when we were younger, we used to have a Micropro soccer on the Commodore 64. And that was like the top. It was a bit like sensible soccer, you know, the whole top down thing. Yeah. But loved it. I, I was a really big fan of that. I think Rollercoaster Tycoon was actually Micropro's as well, I think. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I like Rollercoaster Tycoon. And then uh, Accolade did uh, one called Hardball, Hardball 6, which on PC remains one of my favourite sports games, and that's a baseball game. But the thing is, nowadays you've got MLB, the show and all that, aren't you? So, yeah, yeah. That's, but I did used to love that game. Um, but there's some interesting stuff in there. I guess they get a nice new lease of life. Well, that's it, dragging all these games from the archives, putting them on new platforms. And, you know, we like physical games. Matt don't, but we do. So <laughs> we do. it'd be nice to maybe get some physical copies of these. Yeah, it's positive. I, I think it's good. It's, uh, it didn't tell you how much they cost them, though. How much the deal was worth. Hmm. Not interested. Oh, I think it wouldn't yeah. be that much. No, probably not. I mean, I don't think they're not in the gaming space nowadays, really, are they? Those companies. Yeah. So. Yeah, what, what would happen with that legally? Is there a certain amount of time and then people can take on the IPs? <sighs> Don't know. No idea. But anyway, it's good for game preservation and for it is. people that weren't didn't grow up in the 80s and 90s to play them games. So, yeah. All right. uh, everyone will get to see the power of Bubsy. The only problem is I'm expert because it's a target. And they've done some questionable things in the recent years. How many NFTs are they going to come out with <laughs> for this? Because didn't they try and do the cryptocurrency thing as well? Yeah, they had the Atari coins and things. Yeah. Didn't they? Didn't they pay Soldier Boy or somebody in Atari coins? And he and he thought yeah, he owned the company. He, oh, yeah. I can remember we talked about that about, probably about a year ago now. Yeah, oh, Soldier Boy. I'm, I'm glad we don't hear about him now. This. <laughs> yeah. His game was supposed to be coming out at the end of January, yeah. where all the rappers fought each other. But yep, that never happened. Yeah. He's cooked up his new idea. He'll be back. Yeah. He's always back. Yeah, so just a bit of movie news now. So we went to see the Super Mario Brothers movie a couple of weeks ago. We did. Had a jolly time. We did. So just a bit of info. It's a past Warcraft and everything that came before it. 
and it's on track this weekend to push over 800 million and then it's still not being released in Japan so you've got to think it'll be over the billion mark by the time all said and done and then obviously they're going to rake in the sales on the Blu-rays and whatnot afterwards so yeah it's been a massive success for him is it deserved probably not <laughs> but in the video game film space we can't I'm be too picky i'm just making it sound like i don't like it but i did like it but i'm not it quite sure but i don't think it's better than some of the films on that list i mean i think the sonic film were better really no you don't <laughs> i thought they're on par to be honest well all right fair enough yeah maybe they're on par although they're saying that warcraft which was the previous topper i didn't like yeah, I never watched that, to be honest. Yeah, I did. But that might be because I know nothing about Warcraft. So. Yeah, true, true. It's great so, for the fans, but Detective Pikachu, they were in third. Yes. They were a pretty good one. Which is a surprise for me, because I know nothing about Pokemon, but I quite like Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Did you ever watch Rampage? I did. Yeah, that, that was fourth. That was fine. But that's just the rock running around. Like... All these films now, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, we've got Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which I thought was, thought it was enjoyable. Yeah. So was the first Sonic film, really. Thought they were really, really good. You tell me, Doom's not on that list. Doom? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to <laughs> scroll down now. Because that was another rock one. Where the heck is it? Yeah, I, I, don't, don't... I, don't, I don't think it did very well. Oh, here we go. Down at 36. 36. 50, 58 million it grossed. So a resounding failure. Yeah, but going up a bit further, we've got our old friend Mark Wahlberg at six and Tom Holland, Uncharted. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> Not really an Uncharted film, if you ask me. But... No, just like generic film with... Well, it's not It's not Sully and... Uh, what's his face? Nathan Drake. It's not, it's not them. No. No. It's just two actors being themselves on screen but anyway we go off on a tangent yep but yeah well done super mario bros making in that dollar actually the thing is when it comes to these sorts of things i'm, I'm more interested now is just how many tickets were sold as mm. opposed to the, the amount of money because of inflation and all that yeah i think we don't really know i'm interested in how many people have actually seen it but those stats are never released so let's see if we can find it no i can't find it <laughs> yeah it would be interesting to know yeah. Anyway. yeah should, we, should we talk about Xbox? Yeah, go on then. Uh, okay, so it's been announced that my well, this is from Sky News. Uh, Microsoft has been invited to showcase its products in 10 Downing Street on the same day that its $75 billion takeover of Activision faces being blocked by competition watchdogs. It's on the same day. So Sky News has learned that the technology giant is among the companies due to attend an event organised by UK Interactive Entertainment, the industry body, on April 26th, the same day as the Competition and Markets Authority statutory uh, deadline to deliver its phase two verdict on the exhibition deal. One city source said there was bemusement at the confluence of the two events and said a CMA decision to reject the deal would be damaging to Microsoft's relationship with the government. They added that Microsoft faced embarrassment at being inside Downing Street if the CMA's ruling went against the company. Okay, a couple of things to take from here. But one, the deal's going to go ahead. They shouldn't worry about that. Yeah, it's going to I can't it, stop it. it. Yeah. Two, why is there a video game event at 10 Downing Street? And three, I do not want to see images of Rishi Sunak enthusiastically pretending to enjoy video games. 
Well, Rishi is the first millennial <laughs> prime minister, so he's got to get with the times. No, the times is video games. No, I'm imagining like video clips of him like going, oh, I played Call of Duty, like, oh, look at me. And play Smack like, look from across yeah. the map. It's like, look how cool I am. And then the coolness of video games drops suddenly because of him. <sighs> what yeah. would he play? Civilization, I reckon. Monopoly. Like Monopoly, yeah. Yeah, he'd be playing Monopoly. Just some strategy Sorry. games. Um, is there any financial games? City Skylines, maybe. Yeah, I don't that's know. it. Um, uh, can't think of any more simulation games that he'd play. I reckon he'd play something really out there, like Goat Simulator or something, just for laugh. No, that's what he'll play to try and make people think it's cool. Yeah, that's true, yeah. That's the relatable game that he'll play. Yeah. It's like, hey, fellow kids. Oh, it was just whack fee for yeah, Look, I know, right. I know football. Yeah. yeah. Dear me. Interesting. Right. On to more Xbox news. Oh, God. So, um, last last week, it was announced that Microsoft have removed the ability to share screenshots and clips on Twitter. Mm. Now, the speculation is that this is due to Elon Musk's new Twitter API fee. I'm sick of hearing about that, man. <laughs> He's all uh, over the place. Nobody shut up about him, then. Um, so, just... Although, apparently, sorry to interrupt, but yes. uh, I, I got a spam email at work saying that apparently he owed me $48 million. Really? Yeah. Wow. Probably Elon Musk himself. So I'm still waiting for that, Elon. Give me that check now. That's it. Or at least deposit it straight into your bank account. Yeah, yeah. That'd be nice of him, wouldn't it? Yeah, instead he... Spent it on that stupid rocket areas. <laughs> Making it pointier as well, just like yeah. a dictator. Yeah. Yeah. So Elon decided to enact a fee um, to use Twitter's API. API stands for Application Programming Interface. Um, so what APIs allow you to do is for two systems to communicate with each other. So basically one system, it, the simple way I can explain this is one system plays dot to dot with another with information to push it from one place to another. So you work in technology. <laughs> and basically, um, Elon's decided to charge companies to use the API $42,000 per month, which I don't think is a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. It's it's more than being free. <laughs> very true, very true. I mean, it's uh, a lot of money to me. Well, that's yeah. it. It's a lot of money to us when we look at it, but for multi-billion-dollar companies, it's it's not that much. It's a drop in the ocean. But yeah, it's it seems like Microsoft have decided not to not to pay that, so they've now not got the integration with Twitter. And on the Thursday just gone, they came out with a tweet and confirmed the following: uh, We've had to disable the ability to share game uploads to Twitter directly from the console and from the game bar on Windows. You can still share your favorite moments to Twitter via the Xbox app for Android and iOS. So there is a way around it. So you get to push your clips onto the Xbox app, then you can share them from there. So you just I'm can't confused. do it. Why, that. Why, why would that? Why would you not pay for that one? Or am I just be stupid? I don't know. So it's just console and game bar that you can't do the share on. Yeah, but why? Why? Yeah, but why is why is it only costing for that as opposed to pushing it from the app? Wouldn't that, I would have thought that would have been for the same. You're doing the same thing from like an external third party yeah. thing, aren't you? You think so? so. I would have thought it would apply to that as well. That puzzled me as well, to be honest. Whether 
it's different on there because you're just pushing a file that you've got locally on your phone, maybe that you've downloaded. But I don't know. So I'd if you do want to do it, you can. But it's a bit long-winded. I'd say it's not something I'm going to do from Xbox anyway. Yeah. But I imagine there's a lot of people that do. So that is a bit of a shame. But you, you think Microsoft might be able to pay that anyway, wouldn't you? Well, that's it. It's <laughs> dropping the pocket, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, there could be a different reason. That's just the speculation point as to, is it the price? Because you'd think Bill Gates and the gang would be able to fork out for that. Yeah. To be fair, I probably won't want to take years with Twitter now anyway. So. Yeah, you've you've gone off it a bit, haven't you? Yeah. But the account still exists, but I don't I barely even look at it now. It's just... But that was even before Elon took over anyway. I just got sick of it as, yeah. to begin with, as a thing. But anyway, again, we're going on a tangent here. Yeah, it, well, I'll just say one last thing about it. It, it just became Facebook in the end. Yeah. In terms of the, the people that were on there, the, the type of information that were being shared. Yeah. But anyway. You're just there for the memes. Exactly, exactly. That's all I want. Yeah. I don't want intellectual dialogue. I want memes. <laughs> okay, do you want something exciting? Yes, always. Okay, so a company called PreyDog is currently working on a mod that enables 2D flat games to be played in VR. Ooh, interesting. Uh, some caveats to this. It, it can only be used for games running on the Unreal Engine. I think it's 4 and 5. I think it's mm-hmm. And they did some tests on it. So out of 255 random games selected, over 90% of them were compatible out of the box with the mod. Uh, the mod is due to be released before the end of the year, and the universal motion control is like the next big step. And it seems like they may be on the verge of a breakthrough with that as well. It's a fascinating step, isn't it? It is, definitely. Could you imagine? What what flat game would you love to go into VR then? If it was actually the exact same game? I'm trying to think of flat games now, 2D. I mean, I'd love to be VR Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, I'd probably throw up two minutes in. But but I must say, it would um, still be like, if it was a third-person game, it'd still be third-person. Right, okay. Okay. Hmm. I might have to come back to that while I mull it over. What what would you like to see, Mark? Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Yes. I was just thinking about the environment. That would look gorgeous. I mean, I know it wouldn't be first-person, but if it was, that'd be even better. But oh, yeah, definitely. Even a third-person, I just think it just looks... I think it'd look gorgeous. Your GTA and VR would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun, but I don't know if I'd like people running around pointing guns at me and stuff. Or turning around with the cars running away. But again, just, actually. Just play it actually, in passive no, mode. You can do first, mode, first person, actually, in that, can't you? Forgot about yeah. that. Passive just, mode. Just running around as if you chop on that level. Yeah, just getting wrecked by fighter jets. <laughs> Not other players using, yeah. Yeah, but it'd be fun for all the mini games as well. Actually, yeah, Yakuza for all the mini games. Oh yeah, karaoke. karaoke. Obviously, you could do baseball. That'd be a pretty good one. The ball's just flying at your face. Yeah, that sounds pretty bad. But anyway, um, (laughs) yeah, that'd be fun. Just all the fighting and stuff. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? All the stuff that we can do, especially because we've had PSVR come out. Well, PSVR two come out recently as well. Just utilising that and just getting a ton of games that we can play. Possibilities yeah. are endless. Yeah, I'd That's definitely it. pay, like, if they did, like, an upgrade for some of these games, like a fiver to upgrade to, like, the VR version or something. Oh, actually, no, I was going to say the Batman Arkham games, but they did, they did a Batman Arkham VR game, so... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, but... But you never for, played? 
Did you not? No, I've got it. I never played it. I've got a lot of VR games that I didn't play, like Star Trek yeah. Bridge Crew. Yeah, I, have. I, I, I want them to upgrade them to PSVR too. Yeah. Because I can't, think I, I can't go back now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm not using them PlayStation Move controllers again. Yeah. That's why I was so happy when Job and Vacation Simulator got modded. Modded? Yeah. Modded? Upgraded? That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, but no, that's good. It's exciting it? for VR. Yeah, not just for PSVR 2, but like Oculus and any other platforms that we can use this on. Great. Yeah. Shall we finish off the news with news that made you go, what? What? Yes. Okay, so a gun in the game Counter-Strike has become the most expensive gun sold in video game history, we think, selling for a whopping $400,000. Oh, my goodness. Who's got the money to spend on a Counter-Strike gun? Um, so this, this, this bit's taken from PC Gamer. And I'll, I'll quote this because it doesn't really mean much to me as I'm not a Counter Strike player. So the skin is a minimal wear Stat Trek Tier 1 case hardened AK 47 with a blue gem pattern, the latter of which is pattern 661, which apparently is the bluest blue gem one can get. In addition to this, the gun has four Katowice uh, 2014 Titan hollow stickers applied to it which are each valued at around $60,000. And that's not even the maddest part, yeah? It says further in the article, it says this. This is the most expensive individual gun, but the most desired and valuable skin in CSGO remains the Blue Gem Carambit Knife, which last year was allegedly the subject of a $1.5 million bid, which the owner turned down. Oh <laughs> my goodness. Do you know what? If that plummets in value, you'll be kicking this, kicking yourself for the rest of your life. Take the money. How's this even happen? I mean, I know Counter Strikes. I think this is one of like one of the original games that. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Where you've got like sort of like the early days of NFTs, but it's not. Well, it's like NFTs, but it's not NFTs. Is it? Where you've got like individual guns that you sell. What's well, the word? It. Blockchain like, kind of thing. It's but yeah, it's like an online play-to-play a store, really, isn't it? So. Yes, that's yeah, like that. But that's just astonishing. The amount of money. I mean, I can't help think about some money laundering going on here. But. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But if you've got a 1.5 million bid for a virtual knife that has no value, like real value to you, take the money. Exactly. I don't understand what goes through the mind. Maybe they were thinking, oh, if I turn it down, maybe they'll come back with two million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're pushing it a bit there, though, aren't you? It's just like, oh, take the money in, run. You shot yourself in the foot, virtually. <laughs> you could have, like, set yourself up for life. You could, 1.5 million, if you invest that properly, you don't have to work another day in your life. Yeah. And you could buy slightly worse stuff for Counter-Strike and then just keep crack on from there. Just, oh, I don't know, some people's brains. I just want to know why people would even spend that much. Well, as you said, it could be a money laundering thing. Oh, yeah. Is it Elon? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's silly it's, knife. It's Rishi Sunak. <laughs> oh, yeah. Getting himself ready. <laughs> yeah. So that's where taxpayers' money's go, is it? <laughs> For his CSGO knives. Yeah, oh, that's me. what we're going to see videos are in. He's going to be waving this. This gun about <laughs> this blue gem gun. The why I got. I'm a real gamer, me. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
Deary me. Yeah. And they'll put they'll put that on expenses. Yeah, exactly. It will. It's wild, isn't it? It's just absolutely insane. Because I am an all whether to pay like four quid for a skin on Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. One point five million on a gun. Yeah. Silly, silly money. And I guess that's it for the news. Shall we move on to what we're currently playing? Yep, let's do it. Shall I stop? Yeah, go on, you do the honest mark. Okay. So my fighting game streak continued. Ooh. I, yeah, I seem to be on a bit of a roll with these at the moment. So this time it was Mortal Kombat X. Nice. Or Mortal Kombat 10. Is that what it's supposed to be? I'd say 10. But X is ex- a Roman numeral, isn't it? So. Yeah, but it was the extended edition I've got, which is Mortal Kombat XL. So is that Mortal Kombat 10L? XL? <laughs> I don't know. How do you pronounce it? Surely it's XL. I would have thought. Yeah, I'd say XL. XL, XL, right. Yeah. 10 large. That's what it yeah. means. 10 large. Yeah. Um, so I've been through the, the story of it. So uh, briefly, evil dude Shinnok unleashes a demon invasion of Earthrealm. Uh, he also see, has a series of Earthrealm warriors with him who were previously killed and have been resurrected under a controlling spell by another bad dude called Quan Shi. And a team led by Sonya Blade uh, and Johnny Cage, with the help of a bunch of other characters, attempt to thwart complete domination of Earthrealm. And of course, you've got your old favourites like uh, Raiden, Sub-Zero, Scorpion. They're yep. one there as well. And a lot of emphasis is placed on a special, am- special powerful amulet that our heroes are trying to keep out of evil's hands. And I'm not going to try and explain the whole thing, but but over a series of 12 chapters, uh, the game jumps, jumps back and forth in time to see like how all this came to be. And you get to play with, as, in a de- uh, as a different character in each of the chapters. So you get to explore quite a bit of backstory about each one. And as someone who hasn't played more combat for many, many years, that's, that's pretty good, you know, learning more about them. Uh, but what I like is that the campaign plays pretty much like a movie. So it's essentially like one big cutscene that then that merges into a battle. Yeah, yeah. And there's also a few like quick time events in there as well to keep you on your toes. Uh, in terms of its gameplay, I thought it was really solid. I really liked it. The fluidity of it feels just right. Um, you know how Call of Duty is pretty much unmatched in terms of like gunplay yeah. in first-person shooters? I have to say, this, I think, is probably the cusp of fighting games in terms of its, you know, its, its, its quality of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm by no exp- I'm by no means an expert on the genre, but I've made it perfectly clear I'm bad at them. <laughs> but this is this is this has to be a standout to me. I think I like the X-ray moves, of course. Yeah, know, that's it. Cool. So you can build up a special bar during fights, and then once you unleash a, like a devastating move, which shows like crushed bones and <laughs> cracked skulls and that kind of thing. Um, that's that's one thing that I really like about Mortal Kombat, just the way behind all the moves, you can just feel it and you feel powerful yeah. doing it. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine in if when a new one comes out. Actually, there's a, there's a rumor of a new one coming out. Actually, there's a, there's rumor that it may be mentioned in the next uh, PlayStation thing, whatever they do. You know, the thing where it's supposed to be around E3, but not E3. Yeah, there's a rumor Mortal Kombat 12 is going to be announced there. But anyway, it's another thing. Um, I do think some characters had a bit like annoying spells, which were a bit OP. Okay. And I think they just sort of ruined the balance of it. I mean, mostly it was balanced, but some were a bit odd, dodgy. Now, as I say, I got the XL version. 
So that came with, I think there's two combat packs that were released after the game came out. But this has got some fantastic tie-ins in terms of characters. So included are Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th, <laughs> Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think I've seen some <laughs> gameplay with him. It's absolutely amazing. Just him yeah. swinging the chainsaw around. Yeah. Uh, the Xenomorph from the Alien series and The Predator. So <laughs> that is one cool lineup. 100%. They make for some amazing finishes. Yeah. Yeah, because they've all got their own um, fatalities and things like that. That's pretty good. Uh, but I'm going to say big words now. I think this might be my favourite fighting game of all time. Wow. Mm. I mean, I think Mortal Kombat in general has probably been my favourite. You know, because I did really love the you know the original. Yeah. Do you think it's because it seems to be a bit more of a complete package than what you had with Tekken and maybe um, Street Fighter? Yeah, possibly. I, mean, I just like the the more, the more story aspect of it as well. I think yeah. I think I think this tells a story better than those other ones. Yeah, I, mean, I played I played Mortal Kombat, the one that's just called Mortal Kombat, but it came out in I think yeah, it was like PS3 one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so it that came was out the in 2009, 10, whatever. But that yeah. did something similar, where kind of it went along with the story, and then you went into fights and stuff, and I really enjoyed that. Rather than being like round one, round two, yeah. with just like a few cutscenes, and you're not really engaged in the story that much. So yeah. that's one thing that I enjoyed as well. Yeah, it's like, I really like the characters. As I say, I like the fluidity of the gameplay. The fighter count is great. I mean, that might be because I had the XL version. I don't know. But I think outside of the ones that were on that pack, they're still pretty decent, I think. But I guess I'm going to have to get Mortal Kombat 11 now, aren't I? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, because this, this isn't even the last one. But yeah, so maybe that's even better. Who knows? Well, well I'm just looking forward to you speaking about Virtua Fighter in the next podcast because you're <laughs> on this fighter train. So. Yeah. Oh, Virtua Fighter. Those are the days. I can't remember when the last one they came out actually the one came out fairly recently a few months ago yeah. on ps plus for free Ooh. released it well there you go <laughs> we know what i'm seeing next time <laughs> okay but i played one other thing and that was kiwi so this game begins with a cutscene of a bus pulling up in the outback wilderness well i presume it's the outback, outback wilderness and off this bus steps two kiwi birds called jeff and deborah uh, these Kiwi birds are on their travels, so they're complete with their um, luggage that they have. But they have a problem. They have no money and nowhere to stay. What could they possibly do? How are they meant to survive? Well, their prayers are answers when they come to a notice board. And on the board is a job advertisement. So what they do, uh, what any travelling Kiwi would do, is that they join the local postal service. So they go to this remote postal station in a place called Bungalow Basin. And meet the chief of, of the local postal service, uh, a laid-back, white-bearded chap called Buckham. And you discover this is no ordinary service. Uh, quite a lot of the stuff are made up of animals. And in exchange for your work services, he agrees to put you up, offering you a nice, quiet little cosy corner of the postal shack. So the main part of the game takes place over the course of three seasons of the year. So you've got summer, fall, which is a funny way of spelling autumn, and winter. I don't know why spring is missing, but there you go. Uh, in terms of its gameplay, the best way I can possibly describe it is it's like a postal version of, of Overcooked. That's the, the simplest way of describing it. Okay. So this is either a single or co-op game, and you control both Kiwi birds as they try to successfully process the incoming and outgoing post at this station. So you get like 12 levels a season, but they're all divided into like 
there's like there's like four kinds of puzzle along the wall, and they just varied throughout. So first you got the uh, the telegraph desk. So words appear on a board, and you have to type up the telegraph by leaping onto each button in turn, like a keyboard. But there are but all the buttons are scattered all over the, the map. In later stages, things get a bit more complicated with this because the button caps fall off and you have to achieve them before the buttons can be pressed. Uh, some buttons will turn into symbols and you have to decode what letter that corresponds to. So sometimes, and also sometimes there's one way you have to swap the letters as well. So for example, on the code, it might say A actually means B. So when A comes up on the board, you have to actually type B, not A. Mm. Uh, then you've also got the transcription room. So here you work alongside some cassowaries the uh, big flightless birds and one of them brings you a tape reel and you've got to retrieve that and place it into a audio player and hear what these transcribe so around the room are laid paper uh, like cutouts of words and you have to pick them up and stick them onto a letter and it's like you know those ransom notes that people will make yeah like cutouts from newspapers and stick them up you're basically creating one of them um once you've made the sentence, you have to place it onto the satchel of a cassowary, and then one of you has to jump on the on its back, and the other one has to feed it fruit to keep it engaged, whilst the other one ties the buckles on its back. And again, uh, problems can arise as you go through it. They start adding complications to the to the levels, and in this one, you start getting like an infestation of flies who will start picking up the cutouts and moving them just to annoy you. And sometimes they'll pick up your kiwi birds and move them around as well. That's really irritating. Uh, then you get the shipping floor. So this is where the parcels are delivered. So an item turns up on a conveyor belt and you have to read the note on it and interpret what kind of package it is and where it needs to go. So the item needs to be placed in a crate first and then using two levers, uh, both kiwis have to maneuver a crane left or right, pick up the lid of the crate, and put it on. And then you also have to make like shipping labels for it. So you, you have destination label so depending on what place, what location it is on the map uh, you have to type like a four digit postcode and then slap it onto the side of the crate and, that kind of thing. and then you've got you've got to label what's inside it so it could either be heavy fragile uh, perishable or urgent so for example if you're transporting fruit obviously you'd put perishable on that one if yeah. it's glass fragile things like that and finally you have to select the direction so is it north or south it's just indicated by the map and as you progress, again, complication in this one, uh, a sandstorm happens. So it can just like bury the map and it can also bury your kiwis and just slows them down and things like that. And then finally, you've got the uh, the drop-off depot. So here you are assisted by an octopus called Zoe. And this is like like this is like a sorting room. So there'll be a number of packages on like a, a roller conveyor belt system. And they're like labelled either north, south, one or two. You just have to push push them into the right trays that are numbered, and then you have to retrieve letters that people bring to the office, and then you have to send them via hydraulic tubes to wherever they need to go, and then you've also got to give letters to people who, who are turned up to collect them. So you've got like this turntable of letters, and you've just got to pick out the right name and go and hand it to them. Yeah. So that's that's the main series of puzzles. And then, as I say, as you go on, you get complications throughout it, etc. Uh, one feature I did really like is that you can customise your Kiwis. So, when you complete a level, you're given a number of stamps. Well, apparently they're stamps. But uh, to me, they, they're they a bit like... Do you know those tickets you used to get at arcades? 
which you could exchange for prizes. Yeah, yeah. It's to me that's what pretty much they feel like. But they're stamps, but it's a postal service, so I, I guess that makes sense. Um, but very much like that, you can actually exchange them for cosmetics for your kiwi birds. So you can get like facewear, like glasses. You can get fancy hats, backpacks, uh, different styles of fur, different coloured furs. So if you wanted, you could have a kiwi bird wearing a diver's helmet with rainbow fur and a backpack of musical instruments. Nice. I wish. Love that. Yeah, that's the kind of thing, Adam. <laughs> um, I'm happy to say there's no like microtransactions in terms of that. It's just pure in-game. Yeah. Currency, that's good. I say. Yeah. It's just a nice fun little thing because like you just. And you can always collect them as if you replay levels, you'll always collect them. So it's not like a once you come to one level, you'll never get any more from it. Uh, that's a nice fun thing to do. And then there's also a bit called Overtime, which I've only done one level of, but this is outside the main campaign bit. And in it, you have to, in this one, you relayed a live musical performance over the airwaves by getting your Kiwis to play instruments in time to the beat. Like a rhythm action style. So I'm sure you would love that, Nathan. Knowing your love for yeah. rhythm action games. <laughs> yeah, my favourite genre right there. Yep. Well, it's a bit confusing because you're, you're controlling two keywords and they were both standing on separate things. So one of them was by a trumpet or some other horned instrument. I don't know what it was. And the other one was on a drum and he had a bell with him as well. So he had to play two instruments and the other one only had the one. Now, things come down the, uh, the piece of paper so you don't have the as a typical rhythm action style, you press them when they fall into the right place. Yeah. But it confused me because I also had to press another button to switch between the birds. Ah, right. I'm controlling one bird and I'm thinking, oh, I'm co- I'm, am I controlling the right one here? I have to press an extra button compared to what's showing on the screen. And that I, that kept confusing me because I was always like selecting the wrong bird, always on the wrong one. And just, <laughs> but anyway. But actually, it's a really lot of fun, this game. I don't think it'll last that long because I've, I've been playing co-op with my brother online. Yeah. And we've only played it for two nights and we're like two-thirds of the way through now. How many hours have you played, do you think? Uh, I've probably about three to four hours maybe in total. Okay. But as I say, it has got that overtime stuff which we've not actually done any of. I, I did that uh, that one level on my own. But no, it's, it's it's very quirky. A lot of fun with it. Couch co-op. It, it's one of those good couch co-op, couch co-op games, I think. You know, if you like Overcooked, I don't think it's quite as stressful as Overcooked. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. But maybe that'll change because we've got one more season to go. Yeah. So maybe it'll get more even worse there. I don't know. But I really like the customization of it. You know, that's that's just a nice, fun little thing. But I'd recommend it. I don't think it was that expensive either. So. Mm. Uh, what you played on PC or PlayStation? Uh, PS5. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's Kiwi spelt K E Y W E. I don't actually know why it's spelt that way. Because there's nothing in game that suggests why it would be spelt that way. I don't know. Yeah. But it's good. I really like it. I really like it. But there you go. That's that's what I've been currently playing. Go on, Nath. What you played? Yes. So I started. Well, the the weekend that we were doing the last podcast, I had an itch to play a game a little bit like Lake. So just something a little bit more relaxing, um, like delivering Speaking postal. Speaking of postal service, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do like you do. Well, um, I've got a game for you. 
Well, I, for some reason, I came across a game called Route Six, uh, Route 66. No, Route 96. Even. Oh, I, I think I've got this on my wish list somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is a game played in first, per- first person perspective. And basically what you've got to do is you play several teenagers trying to escape from an authoritarian nation called Petria. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that you escape is that you... You can hitchhike, you can walk, um, you can get a taxi if you've got enough money. So there's kind of a few ways as you go through the game that you can traverse to get to the border to try and escape. And as you're going through, you meet um, a few people um, that can help you or hinder your progress. So it's it's heavily um, like RPG based. So basically you'll have a conversation with the people and based on what you say, um, they'll kind of either like you or not not like you. And the aim is to get to the border to try and escape without being arrested or killed. So things you do say can have consequences on how far you get. Ooh. Sounds um, more dystopian than I thought it was. But I yeah, yeah, it's it's quite because, well, there's basically this president that's kind of a di- the dictator and he kind of runs everything and he's trying to stop people from escaping the country. And there's rigged elections as well. So there's that to take into account. So it's very, it's it can be fairly bleak, but the characters make up for that. So as you go, there's there's kind of eight main characters that you spend time with. So you've got Zoe, um, she's like a, a runaway, um, a bit like you, trying to get to the border. Um, but she's got some connection to the Petrian hierarchy, and you don't really find out about that until a bit later on. But she's like the first one that befriends you. Um, you've got Jared, he's a taxi driver. And he's got some sort of a hate relationship with one of the other characters. And he's quite a dark person and quite a morbid personality. And you don't know whether you're coming or going with him. So it's quite interesting because if you decide to take a taxi, sometimes you'll get into his taxi and then you'll have conversations with him. And if you decide to hitchhike, for example, sometimes you can be on Stan and Mitch's bike. So Stan and Mitch are two um, kind of robbers. And you can go along with them and try and rob a diner. And as you're robbing the diner, you, you can go around and help them steal the money from the people. Or you can try and kind of dob them into the police and try and help the people around you. Now, what would Nathan do? <laughs> well, what I did is I told everyone I was going to help them to get the money. And then I told Stan and Mitch what the plan was. And then we took the money and ran. <laughs> so, yeah. That was quite interesting. Uh, There's Alex. Um, So Alex is like a 14-year-old kid. He's really intelligent. And he... So one one thing I will say is the game itself is set in 1996, so mid-90s, so you've got that aesthetic, uh, which is quite interesting. And he's got like a laptop with him, and he can like hack into things. um, And he's kind of very anti-establishment. And um, when you first meet Alex, you play a game of Pong with him and uh, managed to beat him at Pong, which is good. Um, but they don't call it Pong, they call it Pong with an A-W, like Pong. <laughs> just to Pong. try and, yeah, just to try and, like, get away from that copyright, which is quite funny. Um, so, yeah, you've got Alex, and he, he kind of helps you. Um, the next person is Sonia. So Sonia is a reporter um, for Petria, and she's kind of, because she's in, like, the high end of the like establishment of that country and she's get she gets kept really well she's in like the best house 
and all that kind of stuff. She doesn't really care about what's happening to all the people looking to flee the country because uh, she's like pushing the propaganda. Um, so you do meet her at one point and you can choose to help her or absolutely mess up what she's trying to do, which is hilarious. Um, and then the next person is Fanny. Um, so Fanny is a police officer and she's actually Alex's stepmom. Um, so there's connections between some of these people. And Stan and Mitch, the robbers, have got a connection with Sonia. Um, so they're all kind of interlocked together and the people that you meet. Um, but you only learn how they're interlocked as you play um, as these different teenagers. Um, and what's interesting, because you play as about six as you go through, they'll tell you stories about another teenager that they worked with later on in the game. And you think, oh, that was me. I did that and or helped them or hindered them. So that's quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, Fanny's a police officer and she's got a very... Well, she's kind of quite, she's quite central, really, in a moral compass. So she'll look to help you if she can. But if it goes against the regime, then she's she kind of she needs a bit more persuading to help you because she's indoctrinated into into that. And uh, then the last person and actually not so, but the first person you meet is John, this trucker. And he's kind of like a really like a hard guy. And um, but he's got his own backstory as well but they've all got their own stories and they all like interlock together which is quite interesting um but um yeah um so you can meet them and you can like traverse the country and it and the time scales over like a six month ish period um and because it's kind of leading up to the election and if you escape then it kind of for the election it gives the the dictators adversary like a little bit more leverage to say people are leaving the country kind of thing but anyways, you meet these people, you do the right things, you get, you eventually get to the um, border. Now, when you get to the border, there's a few things you need to take into account. So firstly, you have a certain amount of energy. So as you go through the levels, you'll if you go to sleep, you'll get energy back. Um, if you eat food, you'll get energy. But it takes energy to walk. So if you've not got enough money that you've found as the levels you go through, you'll need to walk and it'll take energy away. And that energy is quite important when you get to the end because you need to use that to try and get your escape. Because there's a few different ways you can escape. You can get on the back of a lorry, um, you can walk, or you can go over this mountain that takes like half your stamina away. So you need to kind of manage that. Right. But yeah, the the first person that I tried to escape the country, I decided to write, say, right, let's get in the back of this van. And there's like three stages to it. So you hide somewhere, someone inspects the van. Um, and then they get a dog coming to sniff around it and you can give the dog a treat and then it'll bugger off and leave you. And then the last thing is kind of like this breathing thing where it scans for any life. And if you breathe, then they find you and lock you up. So that happened to me on the first time that I did it. So I'm like, right, I'm not going to try and get on the back of the lorry for the next playthrough with the next teenager. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it's just like a it was a really interesting game. And then when you get to the end, um, any people you lose as part of the journey uh, that go to prison, you see them at the end and then they can either help. They can help you if needed. And as you go through these like, skills, you can unlock. Um, so you've got a hacking skill that helps you unlock doors and saves throughout the game. So you can get like more money and you get that through working with Alex. So if you kind of build relationships, it gives you skills that you can use to help you on your journey. Uh, you've got lock picking and to help you pick locks on doors. 
um, to say you're having to go around and find keys because you can find keys in levels and steal cars to get you to where you need to be. Um, so you get that through helping Stan and Mitch on one of their adventures. Um, you've got something called Lucky Star. So what you can do in the game is ask people for money or food, like beg, beg basically. Um, and that kind of gives you a bit more of a chance and you get that through working with Sonia and helping her a bit. Um, you've got a government pass you can get and that helps you if you're being questioned by the police. So if like if Fanny's caught you and she's questioning you about stuff, you can say, right, I've got this government pass. I'm supposed to be here and you can use that. Uh, the next one is Omen Vitality, which is basically a cocktail that you make for John, the trucker, because when he's trucking, he nearly falls asleep. Um, so you have to give him this cocktail of alcohol to help him push on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not sure yeah. about that one. All right. <laughs> and um, so you drink a bit as well, and that gives you an extra two bars that you can get for your health, which is can be quite important. You've got a cleverness skill you can unlock. So that unlocks more dialogue options because you're a bit, bit more like fast on your feet in terms of your reactions and um, how you can think about things. So that helps. Um, so yeah, there's a few unlocks. And after you've completed the game, there's new game plus as well. So that with all your new skills, um, you can play the game again and do things a bit differently because um, people do die as you go through, um, depending on the decisions you make. So you might want to do it differently. And when you get to the end, there's like three main endings. So first, the first ending is like you can help the revolution because there are like factions within as you go through and you can choose to join those factions. They're a little bit more extreme if you want to, or you can just let let what happens happens with the election. That's like option two. Or at the very end, as a revolution's happening, you can choose to just escape and leave everybody if you want to. So there's a few options there for you. But I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's It wasn't very long. Um, it took me about six to seven hours and I did platinum it. Um, nice. as well so I completely took me probably about four or five hours to complete and then a couple of extra hours doing the new game plus to get the platinum um, which were fairly fairly simple but I, I really did enjoy it just like traversing this mid-90s country with the um, as these teenagers just getting to know people so yeah I really enjoyed it I quite like the sound of that it's quite yeah, if, if you've been if you've been looking at it like definitely give it a go like I I thought, oh, I'll give it a quick try after we finish the podcast. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is great. I'm enjoying it. And I just couldn't get off it. Like, I, it was just like a, a little bit of time that I just played it, loved it. In my head, now, I've, got, I've got like a 90s papers, please. <laughs> like, try to it, escape a revolutionary. Yeah, it does. Country. It does feel a bit like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah. But yeah, re- really good game. Really enjoyed it. And so great characters. And there's like really, oh, well, there's really cool mini games as well. So at one point you, you can hitchhike with a family and Zoe's there with you. And she's found a game of Connect Four. So you can play like Connect Four with her. You can play Pong with Alex. <laughs> um, you can play football with John. Um, so there's like a few little mini games in there as you go through and you get to know people. Um, so it's not just walking around, finding money, um, talking to people. There's, there's quite a lot to quite a lot to do. So. Yep. So the next game that I've been playing is one that I promised myself for like the last four weeks I was going to give a go. And it's Gran Turismo in VR. Mm. So. How'd this go? <laughs> I, I think it went quite well. Yeah. I, I, honestly, 
when it, when it first got into the race, I was absolutely blown away. Mm. It was it was fantastic. So I played um, some of the uh, music rallies. Oh. Um, so I went into there and played a couple, a few of them. I think the first three I did, and I just lo- loved sitting in in the car and just looking around it. It was just it was one of the bits where I didn't really want to race. I just wanted to like sit yeah. and look around, and. Um, I just love the detail. Like you look in the centre mirror. I mean, something as simple as that, you think, oh yeah, it'll work, but it just works so yeah, well. The mirror is brilliant. And, and like the light bouncing off the car, so it's mm. just it's like you're there, really. And I think I'm a bit like you, Mark. Like I'm thinking, do I get a steering wheel just to yeah. get that immersion? Because I'm like, I'm really enjoying this, and I'm, I've, yeah, it's okay with the PS5 controller, but if I had a steering wheel, it'd push it up to eleven through the race i just like, enjoyed looking around and i just looked up and there was a blimp there like yep that's cool um but i did a couple of like five ten minute races i did get a little bit dizzy um but that's more me trying to look around to kind of experience it rather than focusing on the race i think yeah i think i could only do like five races before i came with queezer mm. it's good did you go down any drops uh, i did feel- a couple yeah yeah, you, you I think like you, your though, stomach yeah. just feels like yeah. it drops a bit, like your brain playing tricks on you. Yeah. yeah. But no, I've really enjoyed what I've played so far. And yeah, can't wait to play a few more races. Um, there was that other, the other thing that you mentioned where you can kind of walk, get yeah, in the showroom. car and showroom. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, I've I've not done that yet, but looking forward that's to nice. giving that yeah, go. That's nice. Because you could just change the lighting and the setting and all that, and just sit peacefully in your car. Yeah. And you just look I, at all the dials yeah that's it so i bought a bugatti veyron from um the the store and it's always been my dream to like drive one of those or at least sit in it and i've had a look online and it cost me 26 grand to hire one for a day and i've not got that kind of money i'm afraid so this is the next best thing so i'm gonna do the um showroom thing and go and sit in my um fake veyron and i'm gonna love every second of it and you can actually drive it in VR. So yeah. There you go. Who needs reality? That's it. It's all about VR now. Yeah. <laughs> I got my Aston Martin, so I'm happy. Yeah. Very nice. What colour have you gone for? Is it like British Racing Green or? Uh, silver. No. Well, the thing is, I want to, you know, they've got that, um, oh, I forgot what it's called that. They've got that fancy garage, haven't they? Not the yeah. one where you buy the new cars, but the one where you buy the cl- real classic cars. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I know at some point an Aston Martin DB5 is in there, so that's the one from like Goldfinger. Yeah. James Bond. So I really want that one, and I want to get that in silver. And I, I did like Volcanic Red for the DB11 that I've got, mm-hmm. but I went with silver, and I'm going to change the colour. Well, I say when I get the DB5, if I get the DB5. But... Is it a lot of credits? Uh yeah, I think we're talking about probably at least a million. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I Those thought cars my Bugatti was a lot, uh, being about four hundred grand, but yeah, that's that's a lot. I have to say the cars don't feel quite as expensive as you might initially think. It's like you can yeah. get some decent cars for like two hundred and fifty thousand as well. Yeah. Which you can get pretty. It doesn't take too long, I guess. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I think if you do like a couple of the cafe challenges, you're probably about there, aren't you? So Yeah, you can get a decent amount of cars just for that as well. But saying that, I think when the game launched, I think it might have been quite different because I think they changed the numbers up, didn't they? Yeah. That that was one yeah. bit of backlash that I did see. That they hiked the credit amount up for what you needed to spend on cars. Yeah. And 
And now they seem quite reasonable, to be honest. Yeah, so we've probably left it the right amount of time before we yeah, jumped in. Yeah, that's it, definitely. Um, but yeah, looking forward to playing more of that, getting in the Bugatti. So, yeah. Nice. And then the last game that I've played is something that I had sold and I've since bought again. So, oh. No yeah. Man's Sky. Ah. Decided to give it another go. Now, purely, I only bought this because I know there's a VR aspect yeah. to it now. Um, so that's one thing I've been trying to do, kind of pad my VR collection out just so I can take advantage of it more because I've obviously paid like 500 odd quid for it. <laughs> may, may as well get something out of it. Yeah. So, um, but I've not played No Man's Sky in VR yet. Um, I, did, I wanted to kind of get to grips with the mechanics again um, because I don't feel like I gave it a proper crack last time because I got it near to its release and obviously there was a lot of problems back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of put it down and left it and never really went back to it. Um, but for this playthrough, um, I ended up landing on a like a snowy planet. Um, I did kill a few of the inhabitants, quite a lot of them actually. It was like these dinosaur creatures that were around, so I ended up lasering a ton of them, getting all the materials and whatnot. Um, and I did see some like ships flying around, and it worried me because I'm like here, like no materials whatsoever. My ship's broken and I've got these ships flying around. I'm like, are these actual people or is it just part of the me trying to escape this planet if I can? Um, but anyway, I just ignored them and cracked on with what I wanted to do, mining rocks and anything that I could find, really, because I didn't really know what I needed to collect. So I just tried to collect everything I could. Yeah. Um, I got to a point where I went through this planet and I was on the verge of freezing to death. And I came across this base. Um, I climbed to the top of the base. There was nothing there. And there were these little outbuildings. And I'm actually getting to one of those and warm up just in time before I died. Um, so I've um, done that. I've created my little save point, And now I know exactly what I need to do to t- try and fix my ship. Um, but there's only one issue. I've lost my ship. I don't know where it is anymore. And I don't know how to find it. Uh, well... So you, this is where you live now, in an outhouse. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that, this is exactly where I saved the game because there's a little save point and I'm like, right, I'm safe in here. I'm warm and this is where I'm going to live now. This is my new place. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm going to go back to it. Uh, but the, the expanse of the planet does seem quite daunting. And even though I've lost my ship, I'm going to go and try and find it again. Because so. I can't, I can't remember. It's so long since I played No Man's Sky. I think I played it last the, well, like when the first major update came out, the Foundation one, I think yeah. it was called. And isn't the, isn't the ship on the compass or anything? I don't, I don't know. I, I think can't there even is, remember. there is an option where you can like try and like scan for the ship, but when I scan for it, all it's showing me is like elements. Yeah. Not like the pointer for where the ship is, so I don't know whether I've gone too far. I probably need to Google it, to be honest, to see if I can find a way of finding the ship, because I need to get back to it, because I need to get off this planet. I'm, I ain't freezing to death here. I think, I, I, when I first saw No Man's Sky, I thought, this just looks dull anyway. And I, I know everybody, a lot of other people were excited about it, and then they were disappointed, obviously, when it came out. But it just looked dull to me to begin with. And the only bit that when, when I got interested in it is when you could do away with the whole crafting stuff. Yeah. Because I, I can't stand crafting. It's like, go and get this element from this planet 
and then you need to go and get this other element from this other planet. You have to combine them to create another element, and then you can use that thing to build this wall. And that's yeah. it. Whereas with there was this update where you could just create anything. You didn't have to prat about with all that. So I, I just enjoy doing like building bases. So you can just like whack whatever you wanted down. You didn't yeah. have to worry about all that sort of stuff. So I just liked finding a nice little quarter, a nice little corner of the galaxy and just building my own little base. Yeah. Might have to go back on and do that. Just clearing it out and yeah. yeah. Well, that was a long time ago, so there'll be a lot of more updates since then as well. So I might try and better. start a game that way. I might try again. Yeah. Just make you a nice little home away from home. Did you get to the point where you're going from planet to planet then? Uh, I never really. I think I think it was before they added some. Well, I don't want. Was there a story? Was there something called Atlas? Was it? What was it called? I can't remember. They, they introduced some sort of story thing, didn't they? Where you were trying to get to the centre of the galaxy or something. I can't oh, quite. Right. Remember, I can't quite remember. I never got involved with that. I just I just travelled. I just saw what I saw what I saw. Yeah. But I did. But I've mentioned before that I did try the VR version when it was released on PS4. And it didn't go down well with me. Okay. I think that was like I think that was the last time I played it. Played it yeah, actually when that came out. But it's because I weren't very good at controlling the ship. Yeah. I just started like firing myself up into outer space. I couldn't control the ship. It just had to manage its own. But that might have been to do with tracking or something like that. So it might yeah, be it, lot, it might be a lot better on PSVR too. I imagine. Yeah. But, mm. Yeah. That's that, that was my extent of No Man's Sky. I just enjoyed more the random building stuff as opposed to crafting. I can't yeah. find anything more dull to do in a game than craft. I know a lot of people like it, but I, I, it bores the hell out of me. Yeah. I mean, I know you like admin, Mark, but that's like super admin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just, just let me build what I want to build. And yeah. then that update allowed me to. So I did. And I made a nice little base. It's mm. quite good. I wonder if I still got that saved, actually. I don't know. Yeah, you'll have to see. See if you got yeah. it. One thing that I like about it is exploring the planets and looking at the wildlife that's there. So if I could do that, then I'd be I'd love it. Just going from planet to planet, seeing what's there, observing how they live. Yeah. Just zoom out basically. Yeah. So you're a safari person, basically. Yeah. Planet flight, going on safari. Yeah. Sounds good. Build your own little like Jurassic Park. Yeah. On a planet. Yeah. yeah. Just put walls around each one. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But anyway, yeah, I'll um, I'll see if I can crack on with that and maybe do the try and do it like a no craft option. That's it. Yeah. I mean, they just got permadeath, and I'm just like, no, now you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I could do without that. Just making it difficult for difficult sake. Yeah. Don't like that. Uh, Not about that life. Yeah. But vi- honestly, visually, I, li- I like it. It's good. Like just the terrain of the planet and looking at the creatures that are there. Yeah, I've not seen the PS5 version, so I don't know what it looks like. But I imagine it's better. Yeah, it is a bit of a step up. Not absolutely astoundingly blowing the PS4 version out of the water, but yeah, definitely you can you can see a change there. Actually, actually I don't think I played it when we had... Because they used to use vehicles, didn't they? Yeah. You know, like the, the Nomad from Mass Effect, that, that kind of style thing. I don't think I played it with that. So I guess that adds extra to travelling the planets, I guess. Mm, yeah because nobody i was just walking everywhere well that's what i'm doing like just try to sprint everywhere until i get tired and then sprint again and it's just slow going so and that's how you lose your ship (laughs) yeah that's it 
But anyway, yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. Excellent. So if you enjoyed listening to us, please consider tuning in next time. We release bi-weekly on Tuesdays. You can visit our website at jokingdolphin.com. Also, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joking Dolphin on YouTube and Facebook, as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Joking Dolphin. Until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. See you later.